come to worship the Lord this morning, haven't we? And he is the most important person. He is the great inhabitant of the house. And we come together to worship him and glorify him. Because the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ. Because it's Christ in us is our hope of glory. He is the person, as we keep looking at Jesus, we have been changed. And I need to be changed. And I think every one of us need to be changed. From one degree of glory to glory. So that we grow up spiritually and develop and become strong people in God. It's a wonderful thing, you know, when I think of the Word of God, the 66 books, it's like a progressive revelation. And so Jesus is unfolded until you come to the book of Revelation and he's in heaven, the glorified, risen Son of God, sitting until all his enemies become his footstool. And he's inviting you to come and sit with him. (laughs) He's saying, you can come and sit with me and reign in life through one Christ Jesus. But we live in this here and now, (laughs) down in this world. It's like a wilderness, really. But we're not of this world. As Jesus prayed in John 17, don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil that is in the world. And he prayed for us in that garden before he went to Gethsemane in John 17. And it's a wonderful thing that he sent the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our helper, our advocate, our counselor, to help us in everything we've got to go through because we're in a state on a process of change. God wants to change you and me into his image, the image of his son, so that we walk in the Spirit, we live in the Spirit, we talk in the Spirit, and everything about our life is a spiritual life. And we take, we get onto another plane. We're now in the blessing. Where the Spirit of God is, there is the blessing of God. Jesus has reversed the curse. (laughs) And we're in the blessing. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful? We are blessed, Paul says, with all spiritual blessings. But where? In heavenly places. So where are you located? (laughs) You need to get up there (laughs) in the spirit, isn't it? And get these blessings coming upon your life because the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and it adds no sorrow, isn't it? Wonderful. I want to give you a verse of scripture. It's been a great help to me. Um, But before I do, I want us to, I just want us to read the 103rd Psalm a bit together because we're going to talk about the soul a bit. And it says in this psalm, and, and sometimes when we gather together, and we say this psalm, the first part of this psalm, every Sunday, I believe this is a, a wonderful psalm because you're speaking to your soul. <laughs> you're saying to your soul, come on, no matter what you feel, what your emotions are, or what your pains are, or what your difficulties are, the psalmist is saying this, bless the Lord, O my soul, And all that is within me, bless his holy name. And that's what you've got to say. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and what? Forget not. This is the problem, isn't it? When we forget what our benefits are. And he says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth 
all my diseases. And you've got to keep saying this. Because you're walking in a world that is dangerous. The enemy is dangerous. But if you can reinforce your position and keep saying these words, who redeemeth my life from destruction, who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies my mouth with good things, and what happens when your mouth gets satisfied? Your youth is renewed like the eagles. If we eat this right spiritual meat, we can be like Moses. <laughs> Can't we? He wasn't dim. His natural force wasn't abated. And God, he went up the mountain. God took him. Well, he was under a so-called lesser covenant. Well, we're, if we're under a better covenant, don't you think we should be enjoying this life abundant? It's what you eat. <laughs> he satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> We've got a wonderful gospel. This scripture I want to give you is in 1, it's in, um, 1 Thessalonians. If I can find it. Oh. Um, I thought I'd marked it, but I haven't. 1 Thessalonians 5. And I believe this is a, a little prayer of the Apostle Paul that you can pray over your life every day. This is one of these wonderful statements by the Apostle Paul. And you can pray this prayer. I know a sister who's used in the ministry all over the world. And she's got a prayer mountain. And this, she says, she prays this every day over her life and her family. You know, the, I, I think um, Tony was showing me a list of the Apostle Paul's prayers, and they're wonderful prayers. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and now this is one in Thessalonians. And this is what it says in 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you. Holy, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. The Apostle Paul gives you a revelation there of your makeup. You're a spirit that has a soul and lives in this body. What I'm looking at is not the real you. The real you is the person who's inside you which is the new man if you're a believer. If you're an unbeliever, you've got the old man in you. And you've got a lot of problems with the old man. Because the old man's jurisdiction is a curse. But the new man's jurisdiction is a blessing. <laughs> Isn't it? But when we get quickened, we have a spirit. And so we, have, uh, we are born of God and our spirit gets quickened. But there, in the middle of the body, there's the soul realm. And this seems to be the problem with a lot of believers because they don't understand. They think, well, I, I got saved in 1948 and I'm saved. But the problem is you have to keep saved. <laughs> and the way you keep saved is what Paul tells us in, in, um, in, in James chapter 
1, and he says this in James chapter 1. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, in 19, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay aside all filthiness, superfluity, and naughtiness, and do what? Receive the meek, with meekness the engrafted word. Listen to this statement. The engrafted word that is able to save your souls. But you say, I thought I was saved. Well, you need to keep saved. Because I'm finding a lot of people are falling, uh, falling by the wayside. They're falling by the wayside because they don't really understand who they are. You are a spirit that's got a soul and you live in a body. And what the Apostle James is one of these people that he doesn't mince his words, James. He gets right down to it. <laughs> he doesn't mince his words. He says, and you receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. I'll read it to you in the Amplified. And it says in the Amplified, so get rid of all uncleanness and rampant growth of wickedness and in a humble, gentle, modest spirit receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. You see, and this is the important thing. What we've got to grasp is that you are a spirit, you live in a soul and in a body, and in a way you're a trinity. Because man was made in the image of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And when God came down and gave the, the, the pattern of heaven's tabernacle to Moses, and he gave him the instructions, we got an outer court, an inner court, and a holy place. Well, if your soul, get, if your emotions are all messed up, if your mind isn't quite right, and your will is not conformed to the word of God, that's where your soul is. So where your soul is, is the will, the mind, and the emotions. Now we know what James is saying here, in order for you to keep right, you have to get that engrafted word implanted in your soul, and it needs to grow and develop, and so that you become a whole person. And this is his prayer, see, sanctify you wholly. When people, you know, get something wrong with them, something's gone wrong with their spirit, soul, and body. You remember when Jesus went to that place in the, Bethesda, in the pool of Bethesda, and the man would lay there 38 years, he said to will you be made whole? He didn't say, will you be healed? Remember the man said, I've got no one to do this, and you know, you've got all the business, and Jesus said, get up. He made him whole. And he said to him, go and, don't do any more of this stuff you've been doing, because if you do that stuff, you'll go back to where you were, doesn't it? And this is, this is a, and I'm coming to see that for, for many years, I didn't quite get this about the soul. You know, when you go back from here and you get in a meeting and you get tremendous anointing, and you feel the power of God, and then you come, it's like when the disciples were with Jesus from the mount and they come down, and the first people they meet is this bloke in, a, in tombs. You know, he's got no clothes on. 
and they call his name Legion. And they've had all this wonderful experience, and now they're confronting the devil. Well, you can come down from the mountain of God like we have a tremendous time in the spirit, and you can come home and you can meet something you don't want to meet, you know. You know, this chap in the tombs. And, and as Jesus walked towards him, he said, don't, don't, the devils in him recognize that he was the son of God, didn't they? They cried out. That's how powerful Jesus was, wasn't it? And this man was naked. He, he lived, nobody could do him. And do you know, when I was reading this, I was thinking, how wonderful that he made that man whole. He can make me whole. He can make you whole. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? And this is the prayer, this sister, and I thought, that's right, I'm going to pray this prayer. I pray the very God of peace will sanctify me holy. And I pray, God, that my whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. Because if I can be whole, I'll be healthy, I'll be blessed, and I can be a blessing. Isn't that wonderful that we can be a blessing? You know, it's wonderful that God has put Christ in us and we have the Holy Ghost and we have the Word of God. And I was thinking, I was thinking, and you see, in a way, if your soul's messed up, you never get to, into your spiritual life properly and you never learn to live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, because your mind is thinking about the wrong stuff. Or you're always been, you've always got this bent to, to, to the old life, you know. No, I mean, no longer how you've lived as a Christian. If God has delivered you from something, Satan will come back with the same temptation to try and bag, drag you back into the same old lifestyle that you had. So you've got to keep your soul right. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to keep your mind renewed with the word of God, as Romans 12.3 says. Be transformed, Paul says, by the renewing of your mind. Well, you will never get that without the word of God. But if you come to the word of God with a true heart, the Holy Ghost will take it and he'll feed it to you. He will feed it to you so that your mind gets renewed. So you stop thinking about the whatever that was and you start concentrating on what the word of God says. And Paul says, then you can have the mind of Christ. Well, I want the mind of Christ. I know how Satan attacks me. And I know that the Holy Spirit has said to me, it's your soul. You pray this prayer, that your, holy, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved. I'd like my body to preserve, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like your body to be healthy and strong? Well, it's all about getting your soul right so your spirit operates so it controls your body. You understand what I'm saying? The enemy wants to take you out. And where he takes you out is your mind, your will, and your emotions. He attacks you. You know, if you come out of sin or something, you know, and you do something, and you come into it, and, and you get this glorious gospel, and you're told, yeah, you're righteous. You don't always feel very righteous. You know, you think, Lord, is that right? But you see, this is the gospel. The gospel justifies ungodly people like you and me. Why? Because we're clothed then with the righteousness of Christ. 
And God doesn't look at me. He looks at Christ, righteousness on me. I'm clothed. And I can walk into the presence of God. But if the devil gets at you, and he condemns you, and he keeps condemning you, you're tempted then to go back to that old way of life. Instead of walking in the spirit, you start walking in the flesh. And when you start walking in the flesh, Paul says, to be kindly minded is what? Death. You know, we've got to learn to walk in the spirit. So the soul area, the will, the mind and the emotions are very important. I'm coming to see you've got to get this right. And I think this prayer is brilliant. I don't know anywhere else in Paul's prayers where he really gives you a revelation of, of spirit, soul and body, but here. And you see, we are the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost. We're walking temples, really, aren't we? And, and, and as we said in North Wales, the whole, I suppose the whole thing was about entering in. Well, if you get your soul messed up, you won't enter in. You will not enter in. You will have all these funny thoughts. You know, I remember when we had a church, we had a pastor in a church in Gosain, and there were two sisters in there, and they had this church meeting. They sent some people from above down to us. And they appointed some deacons, and because they these these people from above appointed two sisters as deacons, because these two sisters didn't get on, they thought, "I'm not having her as a deacon," and she said, "I'm not having her as a deacon," and it was like a civil war. Now that is not spiritual life; that is rubbish, utter rubbish. And there was a right quarrel, and they both blew up and left. Well, you know, this is not the way to go on. What was wrong was their soul was all messed up. Oh, if you ask them if they believed in Jesus and they were saved, they were saved. But I don't think they were getting the engrafted word into their souls because they wouldn't act like that if they were, if they were made whole, would they? But you see, they thought they were all right. I'm right, and she's not right. But that's not it. That is not it. This is the point. The point is that this is what we've got to learn, is it says, well, and, and you know, like we said in, the, 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 in Ephesians 5, it says, um, you know, where it says, be drunk with wine when it but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves, giving thanks. And then it says in verse 21, and this seems to be a problem, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Submit yourselves one to another. Oh, I'm better than him. Oh, no, I'm not submitting myself to him. But you're supposed to love your brother, aren't you? Aren't you? Are you supposed to love your brother and sister? Look, if you, if you were perfect, and you're not, and I'm not, and you pick on your brother and sister, Jesus says, it's like you trying to take this, uh, what is it? A speck out of their eye, and you've got a huge plank coming out of your eye, and everywhere you go, you've got this huge plank. Isn't it? It's, it's nonsense, isn't it? But you see, this is, I mean, this, I know I didn't touch on all this chapter 5, but this is actually a wonderful chapter. You should study it. <laughs> and it's very good for husbands and wives, chapter 5, too. You know, because it says, husbands, love your wives. <laughs> Some people have a problem with that. <laughs> Don't they? And then this business about wives submitting yourself to your husband, and that seems to be a problem as well. (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't go. No, no. <laughs> Out comes the frying pan, innit? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it is. You know, this being filled with the Spirit is not quite as easy as it appears, I can tell you. <laughs> oh, I got a blessing. And the next day, you're walking like somebody, your soul's all out of sync, you know. Your mind's thinking this, and your will's thinking, and you feel this and all this, and your emotions are all messed up. And, you know, you talk about saving my soul, I thought well, you were saved. <laughs> Well, are you saved? <laughs> this is the problem, isn't it? We need the engrafted word to continually save my soul. To get my mind right. To have the mind of Christ. To get my will conformed to the word of God. Do you know, my flesh wants to lead me all sorts of places. Does it lead you? I find my flesh likes to indulge in certain things. But I thank God I got the word of God. And when I put it up against the word of God, I say, that's stupid. That is stupid. Isn't it? You know, this is, this is the test we're in. And so I think we could all pray this prayer in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I do. I think this is a wonderful scripture. This lady, I know she's a bit older than me, a few years older than me, not much. But she's been walking a long time with the Lord. And I, and I listened to her and... And, and she's a real woman of God. And she said, I pray this prayer every day. I thought, well, this woman seems to be doing okay. I, I'm going to do the same as her. <laughs> I'm going to start praying this prayer every day. My, my spirit, sanctify me. Well, what does that mean? Separate me from all the gunge. Isn't it? It's just gunge out there, isn't it? It's just filth, isn't it? <coughs> You know, what, what have we got in this world? It'll just bog you down. You know, as we said the other night, the five terrible things that Satan brings you. I won't mention them again, but you know what I'm on about. <laughs> no. They try to get at you. You know, we're, you know, you've got to have a bit of determination about this. And if you can keep praying this and keep believing this and remember these prayers, I mean, there are a lot of these prayers as I said to Tony, we need the church needs to pray all these prayers, especially one Ephesians one, Ephesians three, Colossians one, Philippian prayer. You know he, what Paul is doing? He's telling us as the church, this is how you make it. This is how you get through all the stuff you've got to meet. You know, all the gathering devils around, and they're around. The devil is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. But Jesus is the one who gives us life. But he's got he's very crafty, Satan. He can put something on the table like he did with Eve, and it looked really good, didn't it? Eve thought that was a good idea to eat that fruit. And the most stupid thing they ever did, isn't it? Look at the mess we're in. Yeah, look at the mess we're in. You know, there's, um, there's a scripture... It's in, uh, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church because he had a lot of trouble with the Corinthian church. <laughs> a lot of trouble with them. If I can find it. Um, I think it's in... Um, uh, 
Yes, 2 Corinthians 11. Look at this scripture now with the Apostle Paul. Paul says to the Corinthians, and he says to us as well, I am jealous over you, in verse 2, with a godly jealousy. He says, I have espoused you to one husband. Well, we heard about the seventh last night. Christ. (laughs) He's the best husband anyway. Uh, (laughs) That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But what did he say? I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds, you listen to this statement, your minds should be corrupted from what? The simplicity that is in Christ. Think about that, that it's the mind he attacks. You know, Joyce Meyer, great international preachers, you've got the battleground of the mind, a best-selling book. And the battleground is in your mind. And it's in your soul. And that's why you need to receive the engrafted word and plant it in your hearts that renews your mind. And it saves your soul. Because if you can get your mind right, your will can start conforming. And it keeps control of your emotions. You don't get the screaming abducts. Yeah, we've seen some screaming abdabs in my time. I've seen it in the church. <laughs> we've had a few we've had a few church meetings I've been in where we've been screaming abdabs. Unbelievable. You think, why? Because that person's soul is messed up. I need to keep receiving the engrafted word that keeps my mind right. Do you know what I think about this in Alzheimer's business? People's minds have got corrupted. And you know the brain, is a, they tell me medically, is a wonderful, wonderful organ. It's supposed to be able to repair itself and it's made to live a million you know, to operate for a million years. But do you know what sin does? It destroys you. A corrupted mind will damage your brain. Definitely. No question about it. Because if you are not thinking right, your emotions are all messed up, and your will is not conformed to the word of God, when the word of God comes to you, you will not hear it. Because you haven't got the engrafted word implanted where you hear the word of God, that's in your heart. You know, the heart. When you get born again, you get a new heart. And in that heart, as we said many times, it's H, and then there's E-A-R, and then there's T. Your heart of the new man has got a big ear, and it can hear the word of God. Before I was born again, I read this word, and I thought, well, let's again play some tennis and golf. Let's get out of there. I'm reading this stuff. What is all this? Brought up in church. I thought, when can I get out from these pews? Painted pews. Assemblies of God pews, I can remember them. Oh, I used to think, oh my goodness me. And I went up to Lily's church when we, I was young, and she had the same pews in her church, the Assemblies of God church. And I thought, oh, not, not them pews again. <laughs> and you know, you, got, you know, when you get set free, religion is not an attractive thing. I got quite annoyed with religion. I had to get over it, you know. 
I had a wrong attitude towards my old company because they wouldn't receive what I'd had in the Liberty. I thought, these stupid people, they're sitting in those stupid pews and looking like that and quarrelling and bickering and all this. And I thought, we got this blessing and they don't want it. What's wrong with them? I said, the Philistines. That's what they are, Philistines. <laughs> but the Lord said to me, ah, ah now, wait a minute. Ah, wait a minute, you can't judge them. And then he started teaching about Saul and David. And, and I said, well, well, why didn't Saul just bump him off? Why, why, why couldn't, you know, Abner just go and give him, not Abner, uh, Joab. He, he could have just slain him. What, what, what are you doing with this man? You see, you can't put your hand on people. You can't write people off. God is the head of the church, not you, <laughs> not me. And I had problems with this. And when they used to see them in the street, my old church, they say, where do you go? I say, I go to the cathedral now. <laughs> I to, the, the mere sight of them used to get me going. <laughs> and, and the Lord said, you've got to love these people. I said, Lord, love them? The Philistines? He said they're not Philistines. <laughs> but you know, it's difficult, isn't it? When you've been steeped in something and suddenly you get out, it's like you've got out of jail. <laughs> isn't it? It's like suddenly you're out of jail. <laughs> and you think, this is wonderful. What is wrong with these people? Well, it happened that my best friend who went to that church, his father had been a deacon for 25 years in that church. Well, he an elder. He was an elder in it. And I don't know what, they'd been one good soul bust up in there, and he'd left and gone to the Baptist. I said, I told you what they're like. I told you. <laughs> I told you what they're like, Elon. I told you. You know, it's this soul realm, isn't it? Isn't it? Do you get funny thoughts sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. Something happened to me 30 years ago. And I felt like going around this bloke's house and throwing bricks through his window. I was really annoyed with him. I did. I thought, I'm going to get this bloke. <laughs> he really wound me up. I, I don't get any problem with it now because the Lord is beginning to show me to get my soul renewed. <laughs> it's the word of God. The word of God is a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's a transforming power of God, isn't it? Because the word of God is anointed. Do you get this? When you get this word of God, the Holy Spirit is right behind that word. And you say, I believe that. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, you believe it. Come on. He's helping you. He's comforting you. He's encouraging you to, to believe it. Because once you can get it in here, implanted in your heart, and that takes some doing to get it from here in your head, as you read it, down in here. And that takes meditation. You have to start chewing it. Like five o'clock this morning, I got woken up, and I'm chewing. I'm meditating the word. This word is coming to me. And I'm chewing this word. And as you chew it, you get the goodness out of the word. It gets implanted in you. So when some stupid thought comes to your mind... You don't say, oh, I'm going to take that stupid thought and put it in my mouth. You ditch it because you've already got full of the word of God and you're able to speak that word out and cancel that assignment of the enemy against you.
See, if you can take his thoughts and you can speak it, he's starting to get inroads into you. That's why you need to continually keep your soul saved. That's why I think this prayer is so important. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, don't forget it. A wonderful scripture. It's, it's, it's something that's going to help you when you go home and you're facing, because you're going to face stuff. Look, we live on planet Earth. You never know quite what's going to happen, do you? Whether you're going to put a, a, you know, a big cardigan with a big zip in your washing machine and then it rips all the jolly thing off and all the water comes out, you know, all these stuff and such stuff. You know, you've got to, you never know what's going to happen in your life. But we've got Jesus. Haven't we? Jesus is our great high priest. Isn't he? The Holy Ghost is our comforter. I mean, the word Christ means anointed and the anointing. Isn't it? That's his name. He means Christ the anointed one. And Jesus said, it's expedient I go away. Read John 14, 15, 16. Read those three. Every, every one of those chapters, Jesus is talking about the Comforter. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. And when you feel, feel this, you have to stay steady until you feel that assurance in your heart that you can handle this, whatever's coming against your mind. And, 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 and you know, I can see, you know, Henry used to go on about entering in, but you see, it's getting through that soul area into the spirit, and as I said in North Wales, in you is the holiest of all. And that's where Christ is. You know, we sing these songs, make a throne, captivate my heart. What is that song? You know, we sing these songs, do we? But do we know what we're singing? Do we realize what we're singing? Do we realize who you are? And who, what you've got Christ is paid for, for you to have? You can make it, my the devil can lie to you. He's a liar. And it's in this soul realm is the problem. We have to keep our soul saved and whole. It's spirit, soul, and, you know, in, 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 in Matthew 11, and I have mentioned this before, in Matthew 11, you have this remarkable... Uh, Jesus is teaching us in, in, in Matthew chapter 11. Um, is it Matthew 11? Yeah. No, it's Matthew 13, sorry. Matthew 13. You have in there seven parables of the kingdom. And Jesus is talking there in one of those parables is the parable of the sower. And he's talking about the ground and he's lightening it to your heart. You understand? This is why the implanted word must be implanted, it says in the, in the Amplified, in your heart. You see? And that the word is going out, but only 25% of these people in this parable actually get it implanted in their heart and it grows and brings forth fruit. You understand? And the problem is, you see, if your heart, if you don't keep your soul, if you don't keep receiving the implanted word, the condition of your ground then is not good enough to receive that word so it can be implanted or engrafted in you 
so that it can develop and grow and bring forth fruit. So in your life, you haven't got the screaming abdabs, you've got love, joy, and peace. Don't you want love, joy, and peace? That's what I need. That's what you need. You see, in our lives. And what Jesus is saying, you have to hear. You know, when he opens this um, parable, he says, um, in this parable in 13, he talks about these people. Um, uh, He says in verse 15, this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with eyes, hear with ears, and what? Understand with the heart, and what? Be converted. And then it says, I'm sure if it says it, it says, and I should heal them. In other words, be made whole. And we're in this battle. You know, we go through this stuff, whatever it is, but we can, we can pray this prayer, sanctify me wholly. Separate me, Lord, from all this stuff. Isn't it? Separate me, Lord. My spirit, my soul, and my body, so that I can function now and walk in the Spirit, and live in the Spirit, and overcome what i got to face. Yeah. You know, you know, I and I, we, we, we go through some stuff, but we're still here, you know. We, we go, we're, we're going through some stuff now. It's not very easy. And when it, when it takes time to go away, we think, oh, I don't know whether I can bother to pack and go. You know, you feel all this stuff in your life, but you see, you've got to arise. You've got to push through this. You've got to get your mind strengthened, your will encouraged, and your emotions settled so that you don't let all this stuff get at you. No. You know, when we look at these men of faith, we read it in the Word of God, and it's all very easy to read, isn't it? But think about them. Think about these men like Abraham. Left his nice central heated house in Ur the Chaldees. <laughs> Didn't he? Underfloor heating, they tell me that. <laughs> and he goes to live in a tent. His relatives must have thought he'd, you know. And they said, well, where are you going? Well, I'm not quite sure, but I'm going with God. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, we've heard that sort of stuff before. But as the old saint says, he didn't know where he was going, but he knew with whom he was going. <laughs> And that's the test, isn't it? And then, of course, the next thing was, and we're going to have a a child, and he's going to bless the whole earth. Well, these two have never had one kid. Not one. Not one kid. Yeah, and they were going on, and they bought the pram and everything, and everything. He's bonkers. (laughs) He's bonkers. But But he got hold of a promise. Yeah, he got his soul right. He got his will determined, he got his mind on it, and he steadied his emotions, didn't he? Yeah. Why is Abraham the father of the faith? Because he did the most remarkable thing I think I can ever think about. How he did it, I don't know. Because 20 generations had gone, and nobody had actually believed that promise in Genesis 3.15. But good old Abraham did. And he got his name changed. Do you know what that name change is? It's conversion. Abram. 
to Abraham. As Jesus said here, if you can hear and you can see, you'll get converted and you'll be healed. Yeah, the womb was healed. And a 90-year-old woman gave birth to an Isaac. No wonder he laughed. You would laugh. (laughs) You would laugh your head off for the rest of your life. Isaac laughed at. Why do we laugh? Because we're children of Abraham. Because the children of Abraham do laugh. Because we're sons of Isaac. (laughs) Why is it last night, you know, all these people laughing in here? What are they laughing about? They've suddenly stepped into the blessing. Isaac laughed the whole of his life. He never did very much. He just, he just lived in the blessing. He just put his feet up and everything just poured on him. Everything just poured on him. All the riches came to him. Everything came to him. He had the whole inheritance. Well, you got the whole inheritance. Why don't you enter into the rest? <laughs> but if your soul's not right, you never. If you know, if you've got the screaming abdabs and, and you're mad about this one and can't forgive that one and... And, you know, and this person did this to me, you know. I, there's that one person we're dealing with at the moment. Why did this person do this to me? I said, just forget it. I said, what, what, what good is you thinking about it? If somebody said, yesterday's in the tomb. Tomorrow is in the womb. Yeah. And, you know, this soul area is important. Will you go home and pray this prayer? Sanctify me holy. Separate me from all this junk. Yeah. Yeah. Spirit, soul, and body. You will not be able to worship God in the spirit, as we heard last night from Paul, if you don't get your soul right. You won't be able to enter in because you've got all this you're thinking about. I remember when this bloke annoyed me, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd be mad. I'd be really annoyed. I thought, when I can wake up in the morning and get that bloke, I'd throw those bricks through the window. <laughs> but I suddenly got a revelation. I was telling, telling Tony last night, I read this, I began to read Romans. <laughs> and one day I found out that all that trouble was coming from the old man. He was trying to influence my soul. You mustn't let the old man, the devil, influence you. You have to keep your soul saved. And I suddenly found out that Gordon Davis, the good news was, the the good news was, he got crucified. (laughs) (laughs) And thank God he died. And not only did he die, he got buried. (laughs) What a revelation that was. That was the biggest revelation that hit me. I've been a Christian a long time. I didn't grasp this. I think I was about 40. And suddenly I realized, and, and I'd read these commentaries, see, that you have to keep crucifying the old man. And I read this, and I read about these Romans. You know, when the Romans condemned a, a criminal, or they condemned two criminals, they would kill the one, and then they tell 
when they killed the one criminal, they, they strapped that criminal to the back of the other criminal, right? And he'd have to carry the old stinking corpse around with him everywhere. And, and they'd let him do this for as long as they could to, to really, you know, rub it in. And then they'd take, the two, take him with his corpse and, and kill him and bury the both of them. Well, there is a doctrine in the church that believes you're carrying about your old man. Well, I can assure you, you not. <laughs> your old man was crucified, and he's dead, and he's buried, and he's gone. <laughs> and you've been raised a new man. Yeah. But you see, but Paul says this, put off the former conversation of the old man. And it's in this soul realm that he wants to bring back your old behavior and tell you, well, this is the way you've always been. But no, don't you know you've been converted? Abraham got converted. He wasn't Abram anymore. He was Abraham because he got breathed on. Well, what does that breath of God mean? It's the Holy Ghost. It typifies the coming of the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why he said it's absolutely essential I keep filled. You know, Pentecostal has got this idea. I received the baptism in 1945, and I spoke in tongues, and it's wonderful. And, 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 and you look at them and think, well, what, why hasn't it continued? Why? Because you need to keep filled, isn't it? You've got to keep filled. It's, it's, it's logical, isn't it, to think that you cannot live without the infilling of the Spirit. And of course, you are speaking to your soul. Yourself is your soul. And this is what the psalmist says in Psalm 103 and 104. He keeps saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You know, when the thought comes to you, start speaking these psalms. These psalms are anointed. Come on. These psalms were given by David by the Holy Ghost, weren't they? These words are anointed. You put them in your lips and you're bringing the anointing onto the scene to break that thought. Isn't it? To break the idea that Satan's trying to plant in your mind, that you deal with it. You're receiving an anointed word into your heart and it's breaking the yoke. Do you know when I, I know I know when people have been, you know, if you've been involved with something. And you get free, you know, Woost in his, Woost is a Bible commenter, he's a Greek scholar really, but he says the inferences in the Greek, you see, that you can get out of unplugged from Adam's power source and get plugged into Christ, but God has given you a free will. You, you have to choose. As God said, Moses said to God, choose you this day whom you serve. He says you can unplug yourself and Christ can plug yourself. And some people don't agree, but that's Woos' interpretation. Well, we're hearing about some people who have unplugged themselves from Christ and gone back. And there's been some big names, isn't there? People we know of that God is used mightily, but why, why has it happened? Because the soul area has not been looked after. They got some idea that I got a ticket to heaven and I'd on this glory bus and I'm just going to arrive there. No, 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 no. You're living in the, in the ugly here and now. You've got to attend to your soul. You've got to get your will, your mind and your emotions right. You've got to. It's so essential because if you can keep whole, you've got this entrance 
into the holiest. And in the holiest, there's a mercy seat, isn't there? There's a mercy seat. And sometimes when you haven't got the faith to get through what you're going through, the good news is you can go to that mercy seat and cry out. Isn't that wonderful? You can cry out. And come into that mercy seat, and I tell you what, you'll find grace. Oh, yeah. Grace will be poured out on your life. Grace is wonderful. Oh, the grace. You look at grace in the scripture from Genesis 3.15. Right through Gethsemane. The trial. The scourging. The cross. The burial. Grace triumphs. It cannot fail. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. What does that mean? It means it conquers it. And so whatever you're going through, you've got the equipment. You've got the word. But you've got to practice it. You know the old preachers say there's three things in, in levels in the word of God. The primary. That word of God comes to you and says to you this. This is the word of the Lord. But the... Pro- But the practice of it is where you work it out. You take it on board and you say, I'm not going to let the devil mess my mind up. I'm not going to let him lead me off into some fleshly um, activity that will destroy my spiritual life. I am going to get my will conformed to the word of God. And you can do it because you've got the Holy Spirit alongside you. That's why it's so important to keep filled with the Spirit, isn't it? And then you'll make it. You'll come through it then. You will, because the greater one is in you, isn't he? He is in you. And I mean, I've seen a lot of people mess it up because the enemy has got it in their minds. Offense is a terrible thing, isn't it? Offense, you know, Paul says it, let's say the root of bitterness enter the heart. It stops the word being implanted in the heart and it defiles, it says, the whole body it messes your whole body up. And it's a strange thing. But that verse I read to you in Matthew 13, you see, it is hearing and seeing and being converted and being healed. It's a process. You have to see it in the word. You have to hear it in your spirit. And then you get converted. You're, you're, in other words, your mind doesn't think like that anymore. You get turned. You get converted. It's the same with Moses. Moses had no idea how God was going to conform, perform the deliverance of his people from Egypt. He knew it was the will of God. His mother had taught him. Jochebed. How in the world can you get all those thousands and thousands of slaves out of the most powerful empire in the world and Egypt? Could you have ever imagined that God could get a prophet out of the backside of the desert with a stick, with a rod. The whole thing is fantastic. My vicar in school said it could never have happened, he said. It's just sort of allegory, he said. It could never have happened. But of course, he wasn't converted, see? He wasn't hearing, and he couldn't see the kingdom. And he thought it was all, it was all parable. It was all sort of an allegory. But it did happen. And they all did come out. 
And they all came out, but they didn't go in. Some people come, come out, but they don't go in. They died because of their soul. They looked at everything around them. Is Joyce my 11-day journey turned into a 40-year disaster? That's right. I don't want your life to be, could be 11-day trial, turn into a whole lifetime of disaster because you don't let the engrafted word get in your soul and start developing and you start getting fruit in your soul, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, peace. The Hebrew word for peace is wholeness. Wholeness. And I want to be whole. Do you? I'd like to be completely normal, wouldn't you? (laughs) Not bonkers. There's some bonkers people about mine. (laughs) I want to be whole. I want to be, you know, when I was young, I used to read, read, read Watchman Nee, and he calls it the normal Christian life. Yeah, I want to be a normal Christian. <laughs> I want to be just walking around, happy, loving people, and, and if, they, if they get mad at me, well, just when the missile comes, just watch it go by. <laughs> <laughs> they start hurling missiles at you, duck, and then they're gone. You don't have to take them. (laughs) There are some nice people about mine. Aren't there? (laughs) Jacob's brothers are about. (laughs) And not not Jacob's, Joseph's brothers are about. (laughs) Aren't they? (laughs) We stick him down a pit. We don't, he's he's too easy to think he is. We stick him down a pit somewhere. We sort him out. No, 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 no. We mustn't be like Joseph's brothers. <laughs> because there comes a day of reckoning when you stand before Joseph and you're all bowing down like this and they don't know it's Joseph. <laughs> and all bowing down. <laughs> God can take you out of a pit and get those people to bow down to you. I tell you what, if you could get your soul saved, <laughs> keep it saved. It's amazing, isn't it, what God can do? <laughs> God can do it. Well, we're getting near the end now. It's getting to 10 to 12. Is it what time we've got to finish? Hmm? 12. 12. Oh, 12. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on this. Will you work on it with me? Yeah. You, you can, I think I can do this. Do you think you can do it? <laughs> I can pray this prayer. Sanctify me, holy Lord. I mean, Iron doesn't get so much as a problem as me. Some of us don't have so much problems with stuff in life. <laughs> As I do. Yeah, we, we, you know, God has to, and, and I mean, when we go through the school of hard knocks, we get to know these things. Because God says to us, well, this is what you, this is the medicine you need. Medicine's a big, you know, the word of God is like medicine. Another of my favorite verses are, and I leave this before we finish, and it's in Proverbs Chapter 4. In verse 20. 
So Solomon did some good before he went bad, didn't he? <laughs> he gave us the Proverbs. <laughs> Don't be like Solomon. Don't let the women get at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah here he says my son are you a son and daughter i'm a son are you yeah in a a sense there's no male or female in christ so you're all sons okay There'll be none of this problem with the women up in heaven because there's no, no, none of it up there. Because <laughs> when the Pharisees came to Jesus, they said, this woman's had seven husbands. What's going to happen when he gets to heaven? <laughs> no, he said, you don't understand. He explained to them. So this is the word of God. My son, he says to me, what does he say? Attend to my what words yeah attend to my words incline thine ear to my sayings let them not depart from thine eyes and keep them in the midst of what thine heart thine heart see that's where the engrafted word is got to keep it in your heart because it gets implanted and it starts to grow, and it takes you over. And it produces fruit. And that's the fruit of the Spirit. It takes you over. And one of the problems for us in a modern society, and this is our problem, is this hearing problem. Because we've got... Um, well, David Crumpton knows all about it. iPads and iPads and... Each part, I know, what are they? All these different things. I'm not sophisticated like him, but they got all this in modern equipment where you can get stuff from all over here, all over there. Uh, I'm living in the um, 20th century, I think, still, or whatever it is, yeah, 1900s. Anyway, <laughs> you can get all this information, and it's, it's a temptation, see? It can take you over. And as, as Thomas Kempis, an old saint, said, I have no rest but in the nook with the book. And you have to get in the nook with the book and shut everything else out if you're going to hear God. That's right. And you notice how he says, attend to my words and incline thine ear. In other words, you bend down to hear what God is saying. And you have to give him time. As I said to you the other morning, can you give one hour to Jesus? Give him one hour. Get everything else out. And give him at least one hour. It'll make a tremendous difference to your life. You know, I've got a daily reading on my calendar. And I read so many chapters a day. But the whole problem with this daily reading is, I read a chapter and I get so engrossed in it, and I start going through all the Bible from this particular verse or chapter. And in the end, I forget all about my Bible readings because the Holy Spirit is taking Well, where does that go? And you're led on a pathway. And it's leading you to the light. You know, we used to have books when I was young called Daily Light, didn't we? (laughs) We don't have them now, but they're called Daily Light. I remember my mother having the Daily Light. And that's what it is. The Word of God will lighten 
your darkness to see and to think right. So your mind gets to see things as God sees them and not as you, everybody else sees them. Isn't it? This, this is the problem, he says. He said, let not them depart from eyes, keep them, for they are what? Life to those that find them. And what? Health. What a tremendous thing that is. Health to all your flesh. My, the word of God is a healing word, man. You give it time. You know, um, somehow we've got to understand that God's prescription, God's medicine, is better than any other medicine. It is. This is the medicine, it says. This is the medicine. For your life to those that find them, keep thine heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Put away from me a froward mouth and perverse lips. Let thine eyes look right on and thine eyelids look straight before thee. I believe this is the time for us to become a disciple. As I read to you what it said in the message the other morning, to enter into, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful. There is a secret place near to the heart of God, isn't there? That's where you need to enter. If you can keep your soul, you've got the entrance right in to the holy place, the holiest. And there's the mercy of God. There's the grace of God. To meet every need that you've got is wonderful. Do you know... God can, you know, if you can learn to do this, when a problem comes up in your life, the Lord will already have it solved. You won't even ask. He knows what you need better than I, you know. And he can provide what you need before you even realize the way out of it. And he brings something to the table and you think, that was God. That was God's provision in my life. It's wonderful. We have a wonderful heavenly father. You've got to grasp this, haven't we? We have a wonderful heavenly father. He loves us. We cry, Abba, Father. Oh, and we've got a wonderful person. He's called the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your great high priest. And you know, he doesn't go on holiday. He's not away. He's always there. Isn't he? 24-7. Jesus is still ministering to the church now. Isn't he? Jesus is minister of the church. As Moses was over that church, Christ is over our church. He's the head. As Dougie said last night, the government is upon our shoulders. Well, the shoulders is in the body, as he said last night. And we've got to take the responsibility. What he's saying is, you've got authority in my name. You've got ability. But will you keep your soul right? Anyway, you think about it. <laughs> it takes some thinking about it. Digest it. 
Get it down inside you. And it will save you from a lot of trouble. (laughs) It will. It will save you from a lot of trouble. So we praise God. It's 12 o'clock. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.